0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening sports fans, and welcome to episode number two, numero dos, of the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast for November 8th. I am your host, James Timberlake. Coming up, we will get into the Wyoming Cowboys bringing the bronze boot back to Laramie, the Denver Broncos' shocking upset over the Dallas Cowboys, as well as other NFL action from the past Sunday. But first, we will take a look at this uh, past weekend's local sports action The sheridan Bronx football team defeated Natrona County on Friday 38-24 in the 4A playoff semifinal to advance to their ninth ninth state championship game in 12 years. Running back Colson Coon had four touchdowns, and the Bronx led over Natrona the entire game. But this was a much more difficult game for the Bronx than their last matchup where the Bronx shut out the Mustangs. The Bronx were able to get their lead up to seven multiple times, but every time they scored, the Mustangs were able to answer until the Bronx pulled away towards the end thanks to some good field position and forcing turnovers. The Bronx will now travel down to Laramie on Saturday to take on Rock Springs in the 4A state championship game. Kickoff is scheduled for 4 p.m. And we will have that one for you on 1410 a.m. and 106.9 FM, KWIO, and on SheridanMedia.com. Remember, it's on Saturday, not Friday, so make sure you pay attention to that. 3.30 p.m., we'll have pregame and 4 o'clock kickoff. The Sheridan Lady Bronx swimming and diving team ended their season with a fifth-place finish at the state tournament in Gillette this past Saturday. Junior Olivia Danhouse placed third in the 200-yard inter- intermediate and third in the 100-yard breaststroke. She also helped the 200-yard medley te- relay team to a fourth-place fourth finish along with Isabel Cleland, Jalen Morgan, and Sydney Black, as well as the 200-yard freestyle relay team to a fourth-place finish with Black, Kira Fenton, and Cleland as well. Sophomore Emily Walton also placed sixth in diving. The Bighorn Lady Rams volleyball team, Captured the 2A state championship on Saturday. They jumped out to an early two game advantage against Sundance, but then dropped the next two, leading to an all deciding fifth game. And the Rams were able to win that one 15 11, giving the Lady Rams the state title victory three games to two and their first state championship game in volleyball since 2009. The Tongue River Lady Eagles volleyball team Cinderella Run ended in the consolation bracket in the semifinals after losing to Moorcroft three games to none. So, congratulations to both of those teams. The 2A. The 2A leading the volleyball circuit over here in Sheridan. Big Horn Lady Rams, 2A state champions, and the Tongue River Lady Eagles winning their regional tournament, which is no no joke. Uh, they came in as a four seed, and they still they still won a couple of games. So congrats to both of those teams, especially the Lady Rams and the Lady Eagles for their Cinderella run, even though it came to a close a little earlier than they wanted. Uh, finally, the Sheridan Hawks were in Great Falls this past weekend, taking on the Great Falls Americans. The Hawks dropped both games, the first one 5-0 and second one 9-4. T- Taylor Fredericks, Freericks was able to capture a brace in the second game, netting one goal in the first period and the other in the third. Cooper Bergman and Caden McDonald scored once each in the second to, ra- to round out the scoring. The Hawks will be back at home for the first time in nearly a month this weekend when they take on the Badlands Sabres on Friday and Saturday. The puck is scheduled to drop in both of those games at 7.30. The Wyoming Cowboys won their first got their first win in almost two months beating arch-rival Colorado State 31-17 this past weekend. This was their 113th meeting overall in the Border War and the 54th time they've played for the Bronze Boot. This is the type of game the Pokes have been trying to play all season long, get the lead, run the ball forever, and have the defense force turnovers. It was a track meet for the Pokes on the ground, running for 385 yards for a whopping 6.8 yards per carry. I came in talking about the Colorado State Rams' run defense But it was nowhere to be found in this game. Uh, Titus Swin led the charge for the Cowboys with 166 yards rushing, including an 87-yarder in the first quarter. Swin's running mate, Xavier Valaday, rushed for 76 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown as well. Those 76 yards for Valaday also moved him up from fourth on the UW career rushing list up to second with 2,971 rushing yards, passing Ryan Christofferson and Devin Moore. Valaday only trails Brian Hill now, but Brian Hill rushed for 4,000 287 yards, so he's got a long way to go if he wants to catch Brian Hill, but second place, second place is nothing to gawk at, so congratulations to Zavian Valaday. I hope he catches 4,287 because Valaday has been good, one of the bright spots of this team for the last few years. Uh, quarterback Levi Williams was the X-factor out of the backfield in this game, though, rushing 12 times for 116 yards and a touchdown. Williams was only forced to throw, throw the ball 16 times, completing 9 of those attempts for 92 yards, and he also threw for 2 touchdowns, so a good showing for Williams overall. The the less he has to pass the ball, the better it is for everybody. I think uh, the, the more he throws the ball, the more turnover prone he is, and that is a problem uh, for the Wyoming Cowboys if they fall behind too big. And when you fall behind, it is mostly because of turnovers. They they are not a team that is going to come back and win any games like that. That is not the way they are built. Uh, Wyoming's defense played great in this game as well, forcing two interceptions in the fourth quarter, one by nickel cornerback Nickelback, excuse me, Nickelback Keontae Glenton. And the other by Chad Muma. The UW defense also forced two sacks in the game. One and a half came from nose tackle Cole God- Godbout, and the other half sack came from Jordan Bertagnol. The Pokes lead got the, the Pokes got their lead up to as high as 31 to 10 in the fourth quarter before the Rams scored their only points of the second half in garbage time. And at that point, it was making it 30, they made it 31 to 17. Uh, this was a massive win for the Cowboys. Their biggest win of the season so far, for sure. Getting them one win away from becoming bowl-eligible, which is always huge. Anytime you want to go to the postseason, become bowl-eligible. Six wins, that is your goal every season. Uh, Their next two matchups, however, will be their toughest opponents of the season by far. Uh, First this Friday, this Friday too, so they're on a short week. They'll be on the road taking on the Boise State Broncos. Boise State isn't the the most dominant team we've been we've become familiar with in the Mountain West over the past few years. They're sitting at 5-4 and 3rd and in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West behind Utah State and Air Force. However, they are still a force to be reckoned with. In the past, though, it has been their offense that has been dominant this year. Their defense has been the leading factor for the Broncos, posting top 25 rankings in opponent points per game and opponent, in opponent uh, points per play. Their rush defense hasn't been great, giving up nearly 174.4 yards per game on the ground, which is good for the Pokes. Uh, which is ranked in the bottom third of the country for the Broncos. However, they lean on their pass defense and will more than likely force the Pokes to throw the ball, selling out on the run all game. That's the only thing they're going to need to do. If they sell out on the run, force Levi Williams to pass, or Sean Chambers, we still don't know yet. I'm going to assume Levi Williams. Um, if they force Levi Williams to pass, it could become it could become a boat race. Uh, they post top 50 rankings in completion percentage, sack percentage, and opponent pass yards per game. But where the Broncos really shine is their ability to force Turnovers, they have a plus one turnover margin per game, good for sixth in the entire country and an average 2.2 takeaways per game, fifth in the country, and forced interceptions on 4% of dropbacks, which is ninth in the country. The Pokes only coughed the ball up once this past weekend, but the turnover bug has been a problem this season so far. Uh, Now, the Pokes probably have a better defense in the overall scheme of things, uh, and even with it being a down year for the Broncos on offense, their offensive production is still way higher than Wyoming's, especially in the passing game. Now, I was ready to throw this game away last week and chalk it up to a loss for the Pokes, but now that I've had a chance to really look at the numbers, it's going to be closer than I thought it would be. If the if the, if the the Pokes come in and they play the game that they want, this game is going to be closer than I think anybody is expecting. Boise State isn't as explosive as they have been in offense on in the past years, obviously. They're sitting at 5-4, and four. and if the Pokes can get them into a grinded-out defensive game, then the Cowboys can definitely hang in this one. But again, I don't have huge confidence, like I said last week, The Pokes have never won a game on the road against Boise State. They have never won in Boise, Idaho. The Cowboys are about 14-point underdogs right now on this one, and that feels about right. Anything higher in my betting hand might have to step in and say something, you know, put something down thanks to the house. Uh, We will see if the Pokes can pull this off. It would be a huge upset, and they could could get their first win in Boise on Friday. Um, They'll be taking on Boise State on Friday, and you can listen to all the action live on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO with pregame scheduled for 530 and kickoff scheduled for 7.
1: Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. Get free large fries when you download the app and join My McDonald's Rewards. Get your choice of hash browns, vanilla cone, McChicken, or cheeseburger, Free after your first purchase. The new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order, pay for it, pick it up. Go to Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving today. McDonald's, there's an app for that.
0: Some other college football action from the past weekend. Third-ranked Michigan State fell for the first time this season to Purdue. The The Purdue Boilermakers or spoiler makers, as they should be called from here on out, have now beaten two top five teams and have the chance to make it three when they take on fifth-ranked Ohio State this next weekend. They have been all over. They're ruining seasons left and right. Purdue does not give a damn about your undefeated season, and they're the spoiler makers for real. Uh, Number 9-ranked Wake Forest had an 18-point lead late in the third quarter over North Carolina, but they blew it, falling to the Tar Heels 58-56 for the second year in a row, knocking off the last undefeated team in the ACC and the ACC is completely bonkers right now. There is no standout in that conference other than maybe Wake Forest, but they just lost to North Carolina, so who knows. And it's still possible that Clemson, Clemson of all people, the, the, the team we wrote off eight weeks ago when the season basically first started, uh, they could still somehow win the Atlantic being only two games back. Pitt over in the, um, in the Coastal Division could fall in one of these next few games, leaving the door open in the Coastal for Miami, who is five and 5-4, and Virginia, who is six and 6-3. Um, a couple of other college football playoff hopefuls had to escape with wins. Fifth-ranked Ohio State dodged a big loss in Lincoln against a pesky Nebraska team, beating the Cornhuskers 26-17. Sixth-ranked Cincinnati needed to, start blow, needed to start blowing people out in order to draw favor with the selection committee because they do not respect Cincinnati at all, but they nearly blew their game against Tulsa, holding on holding on for a 28-20 to victory. Tulsa nearly sent the game into overtime, but just before Tulsa running back Steven Anderson crossed the goal line in the waning seconds of the fourth quarter, he fumbled the ball into the end zone and Cincinnati recovered, saving the Bearcats' his, uh, CFP hopes. Alabama had to hold on against LSU with the Crimson Tide surviving twenty to 14. So I did something incredibly stupid last week. I told everyone, everyone on planet Earth, if you heard my my halftime sports or my halftime show that I do every Friday for the Bronx football games, I told everybody on planet Earth that the twenty eight and a half point spread in this game, was absolutely absurd and that bet should have been placed on the Tigers plus 28.5. I told everybody, and damn it, I was right. But I got into my own head. I told myself there must be something that the house knows that I don't, and guess what? I was right. 28.5 was way too high, but the, most, but the mostly all-knowing house is living in my head rent-free, so I talked myself out of it. LSU should have won this game, too. They had multiple chances at the end of this one to take the lead, and they had Bama stuck on offense for the most part. And Bama finally looks mortal after all this time. After all this time dominating the sport, they they might not make the CFP. I think they haven't. They may not have made the CFP two out of what the ten years it's been open, which is so absurd. Uh, moving on to the NFL, the Denver Broncos pulled off one of the more shocking wins of the day this past weekend, beating the Dallas Cowboys on the road thirty to sixteen. Teddy Bridgewater had another peak Bridgewater game, going nineteen for twenty eight for two hundred and forty eight yards and a touchdown, and more importantly. He didn't turn the ball over. He was efficient, didn't make any turnover-worthy turnover plays, and even made two big-time throws and an adjusted completion percentage of almost 80%. So it was, a, it was a pretty good game for Bridgewater. He's still doing the thing he does best, which is play it safe, don't turn the ball over, and for whatever reason, it worked against the, the Cowboys. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams continued to split reps on Sunday with Gordon getting 21 rushing attempts and Williams' 17. Williams was much more efficient than Gordon, totaling 111 yards compared to 80 for Gordon, who had the lone touchdown out of the backfield as well. Williams just continues to make things happen with the ball in his hands, forcing seven missed tackles against the Cowboys and 64 yards after contact. Cortland Sutton led the Broncos in receiving snaps with 28, but only saw two targets, and he had one catch in a a quiet afternoon. It was Tim Patrick, though, who did the damage for the Broncos, tallying 85 yards and a touchdown on four receptions. Meanwhile, Jerry Judy returned from a lengthy absence and immediately got his target share back, leading the team with eight targets against Dallas, and 55 of his 69 receiving yards came after the catch. None of the Broncos' wideouts dropped a pass all game either. Uh, Denver's offensive, uh, offensive line allowed three sacks, but other than that, they did a pretty good job in pass protection, finishing with an 84.6 pass-blocking grade from PFF. On 32 pass-blocking snaps, the Broncos allowed seven total pressures and just one QB head, excluding the sacks. Guard uh, Dalton Risner was probably the weakest of the group, allowing three total pressures and a sack ending with a 51.5 pass blocking grade, while left tackle Calvin Anderson shined with an 89.4 pass blocking grade, allowing just one QB hurry and one pressure in 32 snap opportunities. On the opposite side, Denver's first game post Von Miller was impressive. The line forced three sacks and held Dallas's explosive offense scoreless until the fourth quarter. Edge rusher Jonathan Cooper filled Miller's role perfectly, uh, I mean, well enough, sacking Prescott twice and tallied seven total pressures on 37 pass rush snaps. Not not bad for a guy that was a backup for one of the greatest of all time. So two sacks, you know, that's something to write home about. The linebackers probably had the least impressive day on defense of a dominating performance. Baron Browning led the unit with five tackles on the afternoon, but he had a forgetful day overall, allowing four receptions for 57 yards in coverage. Um, the Broncos' secondary, though, absolutely shined against one of the best receiving cores in the NFL with Kyle Fuller, Justin Simmons, and Patrick Sertain combining to allow just one reception, just one reception on 101 coverage snaps for that secondary. So a a very, very good win for the Broncos. Impressive as hell. I can't believe they gutted it out. I thought for sure they, may, they were going to lay down in this one just because of the Von Miller news. It looked like they were selling off, but... Just when it looked like the Broncos were heading towards a, we- towards a rebuild, they do something like this, not just beating, but dominating one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, I have no idea what they should do now. They controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball all game, and the secondary shut down any semblance of a passing game for most of the contest. Uh, it was just a huge victory for the Denver Broncos. Now the Broncos will have to turn their attention to another NFC East foe in the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles come to this matchup at 3-6, and six, and the best thing about them right now is their rushing offense. They are a top-10 rushing offense with 136.6 yards per game, 4.9 yards per rush, and 1.6 touchdowns on the ground per game. They also get a ton of good push from the offensive line, averaging a league-best 3.8 yards before contact every rushing attempt. This could be a dangerous game for the Broncos. They're coming off of a high, that's it's a great win against the Cowboys, but their linebackers have been pretty rough in basically every game since they lost uh, their two starting linebackers earlier in the year. And... um Bad linebacker play can lead to big rushing games for um, for opposing offenses. Meanwhile, just about everything else has been rough for the Philadelphia Eagles, though. Their pass offense has not been good, averaging just 209 yards per game through the air and a 61% completion percentage. Ugh. Uh, both their rush defense and pass defense have been pretty average. They allow a league-worst 75% opponent completion percentage through the air, 7 yards per pass, 20th in the league. There's honestly not a lot that stands out with the Eagles other than their rushing attack. They don't blitz very often. They don't disguise coverages all that much. And a lot of their stats are very middle of the pack, especially on defense. Uh, One thing Broncos fans will want to watch for is the right side of the field when the Eagles are on offense. They love, love the right side of the field when passing. They've thrown more on the right side of the field than any other team in the NFL in both short passes and deep passes. It's a little Mitchell Trubisky-esque, to be honest with you. Jalen Hurts, it almost seems like he can't throw to his left, um, much like Mitchell Trubisky couldn't throw to his left, so that's a little nerve-wracking. But Jalen Hurts is—he's got better legs than Mitchell Trubisky ever could dream of having. So that's something to pay attention to. Watch the right side of the field, Broncos fans. We'll see how many uh, deep balls they throw down the right side or short dump-off passes they throw down the right side. Uh, the, the Broncos opened as one and a half point favorites over the Eagles, which—and um, we will see if the Broncos can ride this high heading into their matchup at home against Philadelphia. You'll be able to hear all the action on Sunday live on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM. KWIO with pregame scheduled for noon and kickoff scheduled for 225. Taking a look at some of the other action from the NFL weekend, the Titans beat the Rams 28 to 16 on Sunday night football. This was a straight up dominant performance by the Titans. They led the entire game after coming in as seven and a half point underdogs. A bet that I put down myself. Thank you very much. And honestly, they could be the best team in the AFC right now. They've won five in a row with wins against Buffalo, Kansas City, Indianapolis, and the Rams. And even without Derrick Henry, this offense can be good enough to win, and their defense Sunday night was stout and showed that they could win with that defense as well. The Arizona Cardinals went on the road and beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-17. Without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Texas legend Colt McCoy came in and did just enough to beat the Niners. As for San Fran, they have some major problems, especially on the defensive side of the ball. That secondary is a mess, and uh, at this point, I have no idea why they aren't just sticking it out. Benching Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not the answer, and just sticking it out with Trey Lance. See what you have there. If it's nothing, bench him again. Whatever. See if you can learn something under under Jimmy G. But at this point, you're just wasting it. You know, just put him in there. See what happens. Maybe he'll provide some sort of spark. I mean, there's no reason to leave him on the bench. Jimmy G's not really doing anything special anyways. Um, The Kansas City Chiefs are at home and defeated the Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers 13-7. to 13-7 to was not the score we expected to see in this one when the schedule came out. Rodgers had about as bad of a PR week as you could imagine, and if backup Jordan Love came out and balled out in this game, it would have sent the sports world into a frenzy. I digress, though. Jordan Love did not ball out. He played pretty well, but didn't ball out by any means. Uh, there are some real problems in Kansas City, though. Their offense is nowhere near as explosive as it was a year ago. Teams are trotting out two high-safety looks against Patrick Mahomes all game and is somehow working against one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the game in Andy Reid, and their defense is historically bad. They are really in real danger of not making the playoffs. They have been disappointing, to say the least, this season. Uh, The Los Angeles Chargers went on the road and beat the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles 27-24. Justin Herbert looked like his early-season self, throwing for 356 yards in a shootout, with both teams trading touchdowns on four straight drives in the second half before Dustin Hopkins drilled the game-winning field goal with two seconds to go. The Chargers are a tough team to get a finger on there. Uh, they're built to beat the Chiefs, but now that they don't really have to worry about beating the Chiefs, uh, they they struggled against teams that can really pick them apart that are great over the top on defense. So, I don't know. Chargers are weird. I mean, Justin Herbert's legit, but everything else, they're not a great run defense. They're a decent pass defense. Like I said, they're built for the Chiefs, um, but they're not a great run defense. They don't do a whole lot. I mean their offense is it's special. Just I mean Justin Herbert obviously is special, but I don't know. It's tough to get a finger on him. AFC is literally wide open right now. I I don't know who to put as the best team in the AFC. Um, the Baltimore Ravens were at home and beat the Minnesota Vikings 34 to 31 in the only overtime game of the weekend. The Ravens completed their third comeback from do- double digits this season while uh, Lamar Jackson continues to show he's one of the best players in the league with another th- uh, with, with another three passing touchdown. In 100 rush, rush yard game. Um, there might not be a better player in the league that means more to his team right now than Lamar Jackson does. He basically is Baltimore's offense. Everything runs through him. He's truly incredible to watch. Uh, if you haven't watched a Baltimore Ravens game this year, put a Baltimore Ravens game on and watch just Lamar Jackson work. Um, as a Vikings fan, me, as a Vikings fan, we've secured another moral victory, keeping it close with the Ravens, which amounts to a nice 3-5 and five record. Um, and I'm dead inside, so send all related love mail to shared media. The Cleveland Browns were at home taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in the battle for Ohio. The Browns dominated in this one 41-16 a week after the Browns released Odell Beckham Jr. They showed once again that they are better without him. They were the fourth team in NFL history and the first team since 1967 to have a pass TD, a rush TD, and a defensive TD of 60-plus yards all in the same game. Baker looks better without without Odell. Um, the offense feels more complete when they don't need to find him every drive. Um it's just a different feel. They're they're a better team when Nick Chubb can run out of the backfield. They don't feel like they have to force Odell. Baker just looks more complete when he doesn't feel like he has a number 1 he has to throw to all the time or have to find. Um which I mean that's a first for me. I don't know. Baker he had those uh, he had those options at Oklahoma, which is weird. He had like the DD Westbrooks he had. Marquise Brown, he had CD. well, I don't know, he had CD Lamb, but he, was a, he wasn't really a one when, while he was there, um, but Marquise Brown, D.D. Westbrook, Mark Andrews were there, I don't know, it's, it's weird, um, but they're better without him, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, for the Bengals, it feels like they were for real about four weeks ago, it felt like they were a for real football team, they were very good. Jamar Chase has basically wrapped up the Offensive Rookie of the Year award and is a budding star. Joe Burrow is legit, and they're as deep as any team on the offensive skill positions. Really, um, wide receiver, running back, they're deep. Um, their tight end doesn't, uh, their tight ends aren't terrible, but you know they could get better there. But like I said, wide receiver, they probably, they might have the best wide receiving core in the in the in the league right now. Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, uh, T Higgins is a stud. I mean, give it a couple years, and that 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 core is going to be insane
1: wouldn't it be great if you could get mcdonald's delivered right to your door well now you can mcdonald's has teamed up with the delivery app doordash just download the DoorDash app in the App Store and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today.
0: Um, But for, this, uh, for the last few weeks, they haven't looked very good. Their defense might not be as good as we thought it was at the beginning of the year. And they've had a couple games where it just felt like... You know, they didn't they didn't really show up. It felt like they were kind of sleepwalking. I mean, they lost to the Giants to what three weeks ago, two weeks ago. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Bengals either. It's kind of a kind of a toss up. Again, FC. No idea. No idea. Uh, the New York Giants were at home and beat the Las Vegas Raiders twenty three to sixteen. Whoever puts these one PM games together for the Raiders is cruel. They're 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 a forty niners fan. A one o'clock game. A 1 o'clock kickoff for the Raiders on the road on the East Coast is messed up. They shouldn't be doing that. They are the bane of the Raiders' existence. They've lost so many of those games. Um, the Giants, for the Giants' safety, Xavier McKinney, picked off Derek Carr twice in the win, and former Raider Devontae Booker had a revenge game. He got injured, but he did have a revenge game going, rushing for 99 yards on 21 carries against his former team, the New York Giants. The New England Patriots went on the road and got a victory over the Carolina Panthers 24-6. to Bill Belichick probably shows up in Sam Darnold's nightmares. Uh, Bill Belichick... He game plans over Sam Darnold better than anybody I've ever seen. Belichick just knows how to make Darnold see ghosts. He's better than anybody at it. And he saw him in this game, he picks in this game. So he was seeing ghosts all over the place. Sam Darnold and the Panthers probably need to pack it up and start thinking about starting over because Darnold is not the answer at quarterback. He has been terrible for the last few games. Uh, as for the Patriots, they are, quietly ti- they are quietly tied in the win column in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills after this weekend. So something to watch. The Bills might not be as mighty as they thought. Uh, speaking of those Bills, they hit the road and traveled down to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars, and the Bills disappointed big time. They lost 9-6. to Josh Allen did not look good in this one throwing two picks with one going to Jacksonville's linebacker Josh Allen as well as fumbling the ball away to linebacker Josh Allen. There was two Josh Allens in this game, one playing linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars and one playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. It reminds me of Will Smith was pitching to Will Smith in the NLCS will uh, last year and he also pitched to him in the regular season this year Will Smith the catcher for the the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers was hitting against Will Smith the relief pitcher for the Atlanta Braves it was one of the coolest moments of my life I'll never forget it I'm gonna, I'm going to put it down in my journal and save it for my kids to read it um anyways back to the Bills it was one of the bigger upsets in recent memory uh in the regular season with the Bills coming in as 15 and a half point road favorites Making this one the fourth largest road upset since uh, since nineteen sixty six. The Bills are a question mark right now. I don't know if they're really the best team in the AFC. It's honestly AFC is it's a it's a cluster. I have no idea. Uh, they have a couple of very questionable losses. It feels like they're sleepwalking through most of the games. Same thing with the Bengals. And in this league, that lead that can lead to some bad losses on the record, and they they definitely have a few of those. Um, the Atlanta Falcons went on the road and beat the New Orleans Saints twenty seven to twenty five. Walking Swiss Army knife Cordell Patterson continues to show he is one of the most underrated and multifaceted talents in the NFL. Not to mention that even though it looks like he's walking through quicksand, Matt Ryan can still sling it around. And he's Matty Ice for a reason. He came up clutch in this game. Uh, For the Saints, the Phillip rumors are only going to escalate from here. They've come off the high from last week and probably realize now that Trevor Simeon isn't going to be able to match this defense's productiveness. And if they want to compete for a Super Bowl, Bowl, they're probably going to have to find somebody else. Um, after Jameis Winston's injury, the Houston Texans were on the road and fell to the Miami Dolphins seventeen to nine. Snoozer, guys, this one's a snoozer. Definitely the worst game of the week. Miami has had Miami had more touchdowns in this game than they had scoring drives, and they still won. I don't know if that's a slide on the Texans or the Dolphins, but it was bad. Uh, Miami has completely botched the Tua and Deshaun Watson situation. They run one of the most boring offenses in the league while having co-offensive coordinators. Don't know how that makes any sense, um, while giving Tua absolutely zero confidence that they believe in him. The Dolphins are as much of a mess as the Texans, and they won—they they they, sn- they made the playoffs last year. They won 10 games last season, and the Dolphins—Dolphins Dolphins are bad. Dolphins are bad. Texans are bad. Dolphins are bad. I wish this game never happened. I wish I didn't have to watch it, and I didn't watch it, but I watched the highlights good enough. And uh, finally, the Colts were at home, and they beat the New York Jets 45-30. to I only wanted to bring this one up for a couple of reasons— one, Naheem Hines, if you're listening, you're probably not, but if you are, just know I love you. He's an absolute dream for betters. He had an over-under of 28.5 combined rushing and receiving yards, and uh, he blew by it handily. I put a bet down. 28.5 seemed like nothing, and of course it wasn't anything for Naheem Hines, because he's the greatest. The guy gets the ball, and I feel like Jordan felt Belfort whenever I put money down on a player prop with him, because I, I, I might as well just cash the money right now, because I know it's going to hit doesn't even matter I could put any put 47 and a half next week house I'm feeling confident put it down I'll bet it anyways give me a unit no problem secondly Jonathan Taylor was an absolute animal in this game rushing for 172 yards and 19 carries and two touchdowns that is absurd uh it was probably his best game as a pro more than likely is a huge breakout for game uh, breakout game for him he is legit he's gonna be one of the top running backs in the league if he continues Uh, doing what he does, and that's basically running people over every game. Third thing from this game, and most importantly, the most important thing we got from this game, the the most important thing, we got... SCORIGAMI! Tell your parents, tell your mom, tell your dad you love them because we've got Scorigami, ladies and gentlemen. Call the ex-lover, tell her you love her, and you want her back because it might hit because we got Scorigami for the first time in NFL history. 45-30 to 30 was a final score. First time in NFL history. If that is luck, I don't know what is. Scorigami is something that every sports fan should root for because you are watching history transpire, and everybody should be a fan of Agami. The nearly impossible, but possible six to one score seems to be mocking us every game. It's probably never going to happen, but we will get it one day in it, and then once we get six to one, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be a very good day for um, the, Amer- the, the country of the United States of America and the NFL. Six to one, it's laughing at us now, but we're going to catch it. If you can figure out how to get to 6 to one, give me a, give me a ring on shared media at shared media 6727421, and I'll be impressed. I'll give you a shout- out. Put it in the comments of the show. Weekend Sports Wrap. We have it in the com. We have our comments section. Put it in the comments. Tell me how you can do it, and then uh, and then I will shout you out possibly. So get it, put it in the comments. Weekend Sports Wrap. Tell us how you can get to six to one, and tell me how to do it. If we can do it, you think we'll ever be able to do it? Six to one seems impossible. But you know what? Anything's by. It's just a numbers game. You know, six to one, no big deal. We'll get there one day. I think that's where we're gonna wrap. I think we're gonna wrap it up from there. That's a good way to end the show. Yeah, that's going to wrap things up for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into the second episode. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wacky. I'm going to bring a script 15 pages long. I'm going to go off of it from time to time, and I'm just going to ramble. And we're going to go nuts, and we're going to talk about Scorigami. We're going to talk about not Scorigami. We're going to talk about anything Agami. So I hope you're liking it. Tune in next week. Every Monday evening I post it. Uh, Every Monday evening. I record it, and then I post it. So make sure you tune into it. We have it on sharedmedia.com. We're looking to get it on iTunes and, Sh- and Spotify. We're looking to build a little bit of a library before we do that. So, you know, stay tuned for that. I'll make an announcement once it happens. Um, but anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Thank you so much for tuning into the second episode of the Weekend Sports Wrap. I have been your host, James Timberlake. And uh, this has been the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast on sharedmedia.com.